Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio. Welcome back to Jumping Bomb Audio, the show all about the wonderful world of Joshi Wrestling. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the show. And once again, I'm happy to welcome in my co-host, Kelly. Kelly, hello. How's it going? I'm doing good. I'm really looking forward to like when we get a couple episodes in and then I can get the as always. Yes, I, I was actually thinking about that before the show started. When when I would drop the as always. Yeah, as I think a, that's like uh, maybe six or seven we- seven episodes. I think. Okay, okay, we'll see. I think it will. I think it will uh, come naturally, and and it will be dropped, and it will be a proud uh, big moment in the history of the show. Yep. Or, so I'm in my trial series right now. <laughs> Yeah, so seven matches, maybe seven, seven <laughs> shows, maybe not that long, because that would be uh, uh, that would be fourteen weeks, which would be quite a long time. But <laughs> yes, the like in many Joshi companies, Kelly is in the 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 rookie trial series. Um, hopefully, you don't do as much losing <laughs> as those rookies typically do in those series. Uh, you you caused some controversy last week with your Hikari Noah. Uh, take so we'll see uh we'll see what comes up uh this week and what people will really get into you for yeah i got i got one in mind i'm I'm excited to talk about it oh boy already <laughs> already prepping to it's drop not a e- big, it's uh, not even actually a wrestling take it's something to come off of one of the shows where i was just thinking about it <laughs> it's well, the good thing is we're talking uh, a lot of stardom this week, which uh, listeners know all our stardom takes never cause any controversy, and everyone no. always agrees with us. So, uh, of course, it will be <laughs> nothing but happiness. Um, but you can follow us on Twitter at Audio. You can follow me at TayMambo, and you can follow Kelly at Kelly on Twitter. So give all those accounts a follow. Uh, please subscribe uh, through whatever podcast system you use. If you use Apple Podcasts, go in there, give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. And if you're feeling extra generous, you can donate to the show at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping bomb audio. So we'll dive right in. I guess the first thing we have to talk about, and we won't go too in-depth with this, is once again, um, in the world of Joshi, there has been another uh, sort of COVID outbreak, I guess I would say. I don't know if outbreak is the right word, but uh, a lot of companies in the last two weeks have been affected by some COVID um, scares, some people being positive, uh, testing going on, shows have been canceled, people have been taken off of shows, it's so funny when we started this uh, podcast a year and a half ago, we started the very first show was the uh, Stardom No People Gate show, uh, which was sort of the beginning, the 
the sort of first show that sort of kicked off this quote unquote COVID era. Uh, and I've been waiting very patiently for us to get past that era. But it seems like every few months I come on the show and I talk about, oh, there's something happened and shows are being canceled. <laughs> Maybe one day, you know, I think whatever show comes back with a full uh, capacity crowd that can yell and scream is going to get an unbelievably positive review. Oh, yeah. On this podcast. It could be any company. It could be any type of show. And I think I'm going to love it. Uh, we won't. I won't. I won't go too into depth in, in uh, exactly what was canceled and what was affected. We'll talk about some of it later. But a lot of the uh, industry was affected. I think I saw a tweet earlier that said something like twenty five percent numerically. Twenty five percent of Joshi wrestlers were in some way affected by this most recent. Uh, the most recent stuff that's been happening. So it has wow. been quite a lot and it has affected quite a number of shows. That's wild. Have you noticed that uh, I've seen a bunch of ice ribbon wrestlers tweeting out pictures of their negative uh, PCR tests recently? I hadn't seen that, but I know there have been a number of a number of that. I was actually looking at the, uh, I think it was the Marvelous website for... Uh, in getting ready for the show. And there were a number of blog posts. I mean, the whole front page of their sort of blog is like, hello, we have more information. So-and-so tested and was negative. So-and-so tested and is off the show. It was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) It was like hard to believe. Um, But one series of shows that were not affected by COVID are the beginning of the five-star Grand Prix in stardom. Stardom's big yearly annual uh, round robin tournament, which had their first five days of tournament matches in the last two weeks. Uh, We are going to go deep dive into the first two nights, which were available on pay-per-view. And we're going to discuss the following three nights. Some of those matches are currently up. Uh, A handful of those matches are up on Stardom World now. Some of them are not, so we haven't seen them. So for those, we'll just be talking results, and then we'll be doing a recap of where everyone stands uh, in terms of points at the end. So the first night, July 31st, the five-star Grand Prix at Yokohama Budokan in front of 707 fans. Kelly, uh, first up, what did you think overall of this first night of action? I liked it. I thought it started off slow, and we'll get into that as we go into the matches. I thought the pacing of this card was kind of weird, but like I thought it was a good show overall. Uh, the top what was it two or three matches were all pretty great. Actually, no, like the fir- the back half of the show was pretty great. Yeah, I enjoyed the show, and as uh, people who have listened know, I guess some people would probably say. I'm slightly tough on stardom, but I think that this sort of format, uh, it wasn't perfect. And we'll talk about, you know, match by match, all the, all my thoughts, but I think sort of removing stardom from some of the weird booking, uh, things that can go on that I think mostly affect my enjoyment sometimes of this company, getting rid of those, because in a tournament like this, it's just sort of go out there 
and have a good match really made me enjoy it. I thought this was a very enjoyable show. I thought it was a good show. Um, so overall, I also um, thought it was a pretty strong effort from them. Uh, probably of all I saw, you know, I thought it was the better night than night two, which was still very strong. But I thought that night one was the uh, was the better of the two nights. Yeah, I think night two had higher highs for me, but I think night one was the stronger of the two. All right, that's interesting, because I was sort of looking around seeing, uh, because I had not, I had stayed spoiler free, so I had not seen any uh, reaction to either night, and I was just sort of looking around to see what people thought. And I think that the consensus would be that probably um, other people thought that night one had the higher high, so I'll be interested to see as we go through these matches uh, what you thought of them all, but we started night one, the first match of the five-star Grand Prix, the kickoff match, Amina Shirakawa defeating Fukigen Death in four minutes and 39 seconds with a roll-up. So interesting to see Fukigen Death, usually the one sneaking out the victories with a roll-up, getting rolled up here. Kelly, what do you think of the very first match of the five-star Grand Prix? Why is this the first match? <laughs> like, this is not how you start off a tournament. Come on, you need like a really like a hot opener, and instead they were like a four and a half minute comedy match. All right, let's go. Like, I don't know. I I don't like the Fukigen death gimmick. I it was whatever. I think I went two stars on it. It was entertaining enough, but I was just like, why are we pacing the show like this? Yeah, it was so short that it's sort of inoffensive, and you know my feeling on Fukigen death is that. Kari Oniyama, I think, is very talented um, and has shown in the past, obviously has been wrestling for so long, that she can deliver at a high level. But it feels like as, you know, as time goes on, as the years go on, those moments of sort of delivering at the high end of things in the ring are less and less. Not to say that she isn't talented. You know, I still think she's great. But this was certainly sort of a very simple uh, match. I thought Mina looked fairly strong. I think that, you know, it's so interesting to me, and we'll talk about this more later, that she has sort of slotted in very clearly below Unagi because uh, I think that she has shown that she is um, more adept in the ring in terms of in-ring talent. Um, but, yeah, just not really... You know, it's, it's hard to think a lot or say a lot about a match, you know, sort of a more comedy match that goes less than five minutes um, in the ring. Yeah, they're doing the Yano match right off the bat. Yeah, and I guess, um, you know, maybe to get it out of the way, but I think actually it probably would have been better served. Um, and I'll talk about this uh, later in the show, but I think it probably would have been better served having been in that, uh, maybe in the middle of the card, just as yeah. a sort of uh, change of pace sort of thing, because, uh, you know, my feeling was that some of this sort of as it went on, got a, a feeling of sameness, where I think everyone was going out there to really deliver on a high level. And then it ends up that you have, you know, on a card where you're doing seven matches. 
eight matches that all sort of feel like, okay, everyone's trying to go out there and deliver the top level match. It's good to have a variety. And I'm a person when I watch wrestling, I really value variety, you know, in the promotions themselves and also in the cards. And so to me, this was the match that would have maybe broken up some of that more like, Hey, we're going out there and we're slapping each other and dropping each other on our head sort of thing. Yeah. It goes to like, you always hear the people talk about, Oh, wrestling's a variety show. There needs to be something for everyone. And yeah, but like, this is just take the match and move it down the car a little bit, take this other match, move it up and just shift stuff around. And I think the, the card as a whole just feels a lot breezier to me. Cause it was just like, I don't, because the next one, we'll get to it in a sec, but that's a comedy match too. And it's just like, why, why, why are we doing this now to start off the tournament? And I don't know. That was just Rossi. You're losing it. I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> well, speaking of that next match, the next match, Koguma defeated Natsupoi in 10 minutes and 16 seconds. You know, and there was a lot of comedy in the match, but sort of. It felt a little like a sandwich to me where I liked the beginning parts of the match and the end parts of the match. It sort of had that high speed uh, feeling as to people who uh, are sort of more high speed wrestlers. And then it had that middle part where it was like, Hukuma's under the ring. Where oh, is she? That. I hated She's that hidden. So and I was like, I was like, uh, I don't, you know, I'm like, I don't need this. No, thank no. you. Like there is a small part of me that's like, are they going to somehow do a time limit just screwing around under the ring? <laughs> I will say, uh, not to look too far ahead, but there were no time limit draws on any of these shows so much that it made me think that maybe all of these time limit draws that have been happening in stardom have been a long con <laughs> to make me think that there's going to be a lot of time limit draws in this Grand Prix, and there have not been. Yeah, I was legitimately shocked. Every time I clicked on a, f- a file for a match, I'd be like, all right, here's the one. It's going to be like 40-some minutes. Like, oh, oh, no, it's not. Okay, cool. Okay, it's going to be the, oh, no, this one's under 32. Yeah, no, it was it was shocking. They're usually pretty good about not doing those time limit draws on sort of the bigger shows, which I think I would count as both of these Yokohama Budokan shows. But even on the smaller shows coming up that we'll talk about, I mean, they had one double count out. But other than that, no time limit draws. So stardom, uh, keep it up. Yeah. Now I'm like, oh, my God, there's no time limit draws. The next like five shows are all going to have you know, like two time limit draws. There's going to be one show where every match goes to a draw. That would be a, that would be a, well, depending on how many matches they have, that would be a long show. <laughs> so in, in the third match of the night, Julia defeated Starlight Kid with a Northern Lights bomb in 13 minutes and 47 seconds. This was really the first match as I was watching where I was like, okay, here we go. Yeah, like, this, let's this really should get, have been the opener. Yeah, let's get into it. I have always been a uh, big supporter of Starlight Kid. I think she's really great and has been underrated for a long time. And I think the switch to Oedo Tai is very helpful and is probably one of the best booking decisions Stardom has made in a while to move her over there and sort of give her a new uh, coat of paint. But I thought that this match was very good. I thought Julia was very good. I thought Starlight Kid was good. 
So overall, this was really a, a very enjoyable match to me. And in fact, I think I went, I did, I went four stars on this. So I really thought it was very, very good. Okay. Wow. I love that Starlight Kid is still the scrappy underdog, but now she's just an asshole too. Like that, it's such a fun dynamic because even, you know, she's with a way to tie. She sucks. You don't want to wrestle her, but you still want to cheer for her because she's still being, you know, everyone thinks, oh, she's the, the, the underdog. You know, we can push her around, do whatever. But you so you still want her to win, but then she does something shitty and you're like, oh, wait, no, you suck. Okay, no, I want Julia to win. But yeah, I liked this match a lot. I went three and a half on it. It was really good. And like I was saying, it, it should have opened the show. I think this was great. Yeah, and I totally agree with you about Starlight Kid. And I think the good thing about this is I would hope eventually when she gets the push up the card that now you have something where she can turn back to being babyface. And I think that would be a great sort of propel, you know, up the card because you know, I think people, I think she is someone people want to root for Yeah, naturally. And so, you know, having her be this heel and then turning her back, I'm not saying that will happen in the next, you know, soon, but whenever that happens, I think that will be an even extra propellant to really help her up the card. Cause in my eyes, you know, and obviously they have a lot of time with her cause she's very young, but I see her as sort of a top, you know, as a top level sort of, you know, wrestler in terms of where she can be positioned on these cards eventually, because I think she has the talent and I think that she has a personality that gets people behind her. Yeah. I see her and Izumi as the future main eventers for sure. Well, speaking of future main eventers, or at least the way it's looking, uh, Unagi Sayaka in the next match defeated Tom Nakino in 13 minutes and 16 seconds. And Kelly, I am fascinated to hear what you thought about this match because I have I have sort of very um, strange thoughts about this match. So I'm interested <laughs> to see what you think. I was shocked by the by the result. I did not expect Unagi to win at all. Uh, I really liked how the match was structured, where it seemed like the entire time, you know, it's Tom is establishing her dominance. She is the superior wrestler for sure. And then just here's the surprise win. Unagi had been getting her ass kicked this whole time, but suddenly, you know, she figures out a way to pull the win out. I thought it was super good. I went like uh, three and three quarters. I liked it quite a bit. Well, I think I went the same... Oh, no, I didn't. I think I went three and a half. The weird thing for me is with Unagi is I think people could agree that she is not on the top end in stardom of in-ring ability. No. I don't think that's controversial to say that. And it's very weird because I was watching this match and part of me was thinking this is bad but I'm enjoying myself <laughs> because I like, I, I feel like Unagi has a good energy in the ring that makes up for the fact that oftentimes I watch her and like the match will be going fine. And it's like, Oh, you know, this is pretty good. And then all of a sudden there's something where I'm like, Oh gosh, uh Oh, like something goes wrong, but I just, I, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what it is. It's the, but she I just feels like she can't. Well, I mean, she did come from Tokyo Joshi and I think there's a lot of wrestlers in that company that feel like that. So she brought that kind of sensibility to stardom. 
Yeah, it could be that. It's just so funny because I look at the, you know, the sort of expectation in stardom is so high with the talent that they have. And Unagi is clearly has the company behind her. She's won the, she's the holder of the future of the stardom title. She's been pushed quite a lot. She won the rumble um, on the, uh, their big Budokan show. So it's like all of these things. And part of me thinks, well, like she's not that good, but I'm like, but I like this match. So I don't know. It's just sort of a strange, uh, a strange like dichotomy for me in my brain of like, part of me thinks this is bad. And part of me thinks this is good. Yeah. No, for me, it was my enjoyment of it rested solely on the structure of the match. Like I don't, think the work in it was particularly good but i like the story they told yeah and i guess my concern would be with this is as i said i think a lot of people have said you know unagi is not where other people are in terms of the in-ring stuff but the question is what if she never gets there yeah like she isn't a young, you know, she isn't like a 17 year old rookie who just debuted. Like she's been around for a while. She has now worked in this company with a lot of people who are very talented. And it like, maybe it just doesn't happen. And if this push continues, like, for example, I guess my question would be if this push continues and in six months, She's main eventing shows, challenging for singles titles, you know, big singles titles, uh, World of Stardom, Wonder of Stardom. And she's at the same level of skill that she is now. Is that okay, or is that going to become a problem at some point when it's like, "Mm, can you keep up? You know, you're going to have a match with Momo Watanabe. Can you keep up? in a singles match for a big title. Not that Momo's going to have a title, but uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Somewhere Aaron's just like, huh, what? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So no, sorry, I, but I think she's, she's not a big building challenger for sure. I think you could do a smaller building with her and it have it be all right. But like one of these Yokohama shows or like these pay-per-views, I, I think that would be end up in a disappointing main event. Yeah, but, you know, fingers crossed that she, uh, the in-ring stuff improves, because as I said, I like a lot of the other aspects of her, and, you know, I always hope that every wrestler I see turns out to be the next great wrestler, because then that's um, great for me. Yeah. (laughs) Because I I get to watch them, and they'll be great. Um, But the uh, next match was uh, Shuri defeating Saya Kamatani in Fort. 1937 um kelly i'll throw it over to you again because another match uh that i have some thoughts about okay uh first off series gear is so cool like i just love the sengoku warlord aesthetic like it looks so great uh saya got wrecked in some of these strike exchanges (laughs) and like credit to her for standing and striking but Boy, howdy, she got her ass beat. Um, I thought the match was really good. It was just shy of making a metaphorical notebook. Uh, I went three and three quarters on this one, too. 
Uh, I, I liked it a lot, but it wasn't like amazing. It was just, it was one of those good matches where it's just like, I just like to watch someone get hit real hard sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I was actually at the same exact as you. I had it at three and three quarters. I liked it a lot. Shuri, as I've talked about in the past, is super talented but the one thing for me that holds it back, and this is going to be me bringing a broken record a little bit, is some of these layouts of these matches with Saya Kamatani. And I don't know, you know, this could be that this turned out it was Shiri's, you know, putting this match together. And then I'm totally putting this on the wrong person. But like they had that big slap exchange near the end of the match. And I was like, whoa, this is really crazy. Like this is really building. This is great. And then the next spot was like a 1970s style uh, double running of the ropes, which I was like, this is a bit weird. And then they went back into like a forearm exchange. I do have to say, I've talked about this on the show a lot in the past. If you go through these, just these two shows, the first two shows, because we haven't seen the other three shows and count the number of forearm exchanges and matches it's gotta be a crazy number <laughs> and i have said in the past i think sometimes that strike exchanges like that are sort of a crutch of like we don't know what to do how do we transition we'll just stand in the middle of the ring and you know do elbows with each other and sometimes that works because sometimes you get people who are you know, willing to go and throw. And sometimes to me personally, it feels a little like, like I said, like a crutch. Yeah. And I felt that way in this match. And I felt that way in a couple of other matches throughout uh, these two nights that I'm like, I just wish there was some way to, you know, that it would be de-emphasized. I don't mind seeing them. But I think the fact that it was all of these matches smashed together on these two nights, you know, you watch them all back to back to back to back. You really see the patterns of what people are doing when they're constructing matches. Mm -hmm. It's like the whole, are they kind of talking with each other? Like, hey, are you doing this? No. Okay, cool. So we're going to do this. And like, oh, you're doing that. Maybe we shouldn't do that. Okay. It doesn't seem like there's much of that going on. Yeah, and it felt to me like I don't mind, you know, people being in the back and being like, we're going to go out and we're going to, you know, we're fourth from the top, but we're going to go out and we're going to deliver the match of the night. Like, I don't mind that attitude. Yeah, that's um, fine. But it, it it did have a feeling of some of this, especially near the tops of these cards, of feeling sort of like, okay, this is like a thing I just saw. <laughs> There was a lot of people getting, you know, kicked. There was a lot of people getting dropped on their head. In fact, a number of matches ending with people getting dropped on their heads, which is very exciting. But it's like, whoa, now I've seen five people get dropped on their head. <laughs> um, and it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning, where it would have been good maybe to have some of those first two matches, you know, sprinkled throughout this card just to say, OK, here's two really hard hitting matches. Oh, and now here's a little fun, you know, six minute match. Yeah. And we're having fun. And then we go back into it just to give some breathing time 
between these matches so they don't sort of run together. Yeah, there's nothing worse than... it. It's weird to say this, but there's nothing worse than a bunch of good matches right in a row because, yeah, they just blend together at some point. And it's like, okay, what was... They were all really good, but like, what what did I like about them? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, exactly. But I don't want to take away too much from this match, which, as we both said, we enjoyed, you know, three and three quarters. But just a feeling I had, and, you know, I got that feeling as well on sort of the second night, um, but definitely got it as we got close to the top of the card here. However, uh, the next match was probably what I would think uh, for me personally was the match of the night for me. Momo Watanabe defeating Mayu Iwatani with a peach bomb in 1737. This was a this was the match when I thought, ooh, wouldn't it be interesting if Aaron left this podcast and Momo Watanabe got a big push up the card and started. <laughs> but as we found out uh, in the next few shows, doesn't look like that's happening. No. Um, but I thought it was funny. I liked this match. I thought it started um, a little bit slow. It had sort of that samey feeling that we just talked about. But near the end, they just went into overdrive. And, you know, with the kicks, I mean, Mayu on both nights really here uh, was just great looking kicks, which I thought really delivered dropping each other you know Mayu is always willing to do whatever it takes to make a match look good so this was a match that I really really enjoyed yeah it really felt like they're going out there to once again prove that Mayu's neck is made of rubber uh it took a little bit like for me to get into it like you said but like once everything got going it was awesome I really really enjoyed this match I went uh four stars on it uh, but one thing I need to, need to ask you about, Taylor, when you went to high school, did you have the anime kids that ran around with foxtails on? We did not have anime kids. I went to a high school that had a uniform, so we oh, okay. uh, no one would have been running. <laughs> no one was running around, unfortunately, with foxtails. I think we did have a couple kids who were into anime, but it was uh, we were all sort of. Um, all sort of samey because we had a uniform okay. on. But because yeah, when I was uh, in uh, high school, we had the anime kids with the fox tails running around, and like Mayu with her tail just made me think of that. And then I was like, that's kind of why I stopped watching anime for like a decade. Just didn't want to be associated with the weird fox kids. <laughs> well, let's hope that no weird fox kids are listening to yeah. this. I mean, if you're a weird if you're a weird fox kid, I apologize, but like, look, I tried to join the anime and manga club, and you guys were real weird, and I didn't want any of that. I I didn't want to be looked upon as the weird fox kids and have to explain things. That's like when I was in college, I had to explain to my classroom about furries, what those were. Like, I don't, I don't need to be doing that. Although it's very weird that you said I didn't want to be part of this club to be looked at as weird and have to explain things to people, which seemingly describes a lot of being a wrestling fan. I mean, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, not wrong. What is that? Oh, you watch WWE. Okay. Yep. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Anyway. That's what I watch. (laughs) Moving on. Love the Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Smackdown, great. It's on Fox. (laughs) You've seen that. 
I think I've just about exhausted most of my WWE knowledge, yeah. recent WWE knowledge. Uh, you like, um, oh, who's the, the way? You big fan of, big fan of the <laughs> NXT? Oh, God, God. So you only break that one out when you're talking to a dude that's like fifty. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, back to this, back to this match. An excellent match. Uh, happy to see Momo get a get a victory over a big. Uh, scalp here i guess you would say yeah i really uh, was hoping this was going to be the beginning of a run for her that's what they do they give you a little uh here's what you could have yeah <laughs> just wait till jungle kiona gets back then we'll have it yeah uh, then we'll have it double and instead they're like what's that what's that you said you want unagi to have a run i, I guess i don't okay. even know where jungle kiona is going to go in this company when she comes back. Yeah. Cause it just seems like between people like Unagi getting a push, it just seems like she's going to come back and float in the mid card. This it, is a problem for another day. It makes me wonder uh, but... if when she does come back, if they'll like kind of blow up the units. Cause I, to me, the entire, every now and then I think about this and like Queen's quest and Wado Tai have been around forever in this company. And it's like, they're, to the point where ne- none of their original members are around, it I think. So it's like, I it maybe just blow those units up and start fresh. Well, Oedo Tai, I think, is a big merchandise mover. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I don't know that they'd go away. I, I would say it would be possible if it was anyone except for Jungle Kiona coming back. Yeah. Because <laughs> I feel like she'll just come back and they'll be like, oh, yeah, you're like second in stars. And by the way, there's no one in stars anymore because they keep leaving <laughs> or getting moved over to uh, Oedo Tai. Yeah. Is it is so, stars just Mayu yeah. and like the rookies at this point? Uh, I think pretty much, yeah. And who knows, you know, in about two months, there may be another match and maybe Hennen goes to uh, Oedo Tai because that seems to be the pattern yeah. um, of things. But but anyway, uh, moving on on this show, the main event, uh, Micah defeating Utami in 1926. So nearly a time limit draw, but not a time limit draw. Uh, this was a match I think that was for me most affected by what we just talked about, which was I was like, okay, especially after Momo and Mayu who went out there and really went after it. It was like, okay, this is sort of more of the same to me. And I personally, uh, for me still have with Micah, she's obviously gotten much better in the ring. She has, very much improved in that area, but I still don't feel personally very much connection when I watch Micah, where I'm like, this is a person who is like, she is a wrestler. And other than that, I'm not really sure that I have any connection to her. Like, I'm like, she's a wrestler who's good. Okay. Is there anything else there? And just to me, I haven't connected to anything. So I think those two aspects I didn't think it was a bad match, but it was sort of a match that ended. And I was like, "Mm, okay, yeah, that was good. Um, And, you know, went along. Yeah, I definitely benefited watching this match from I took a break and I ended up watching this like the day after I watched the rest of the card. So I I ended up enjoying this quite a bit. Um, I went four and a quarter on it. Uh, I... 
I'm kind of with you on Micah. I like her a lot in the ring, but character-wise, there's nothing there. Like, she's got serial killer eyes. That's about it. Uh, I thought the uh, the limb work by Micah on Utami's arm was really good and made sense. So, you know, Utami can't throw you around if her arm's weakened. That was good strategy. <laughs> uh, and the driver that Micah won with looked really good. So, yeah, I ended up enjoying this match a lot, but Definitely, if I had watched all of the show in one sitting, I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it as much as I did. Yeah, and that may, you know, something like that may give a benefit to they haven't put all the matches up, but these sort of smaller four uh, match shows may end up. I mean, if they sort of keep up this sort of quality, being on a format show may be a benefit because there isn't so much on these you know, much less than these big eight match shows where, you know, by the time you get to six or seven, you've seen a lot where mm-hmm. on four, you can just get in, especially probably the first couple matches are going to be short. And then you've got the sort of airspace to deliver something good without having to top three matches that just happened. Yeah. Yeah. These shows where just all of it is tournament matches is a lot to kind of digest. Uh, well, moving on to night two, stardom, uh, Grand Prix, August 1st, back in Yokohama Budokan with more fans, 764, the attendance there. So slightly up from night one and a solid two nights in Yokohama Budokan, a total of just about 1500 people. And it started with another shocker. Unagi Sayaka defeating Azumi in 8 minutes and 21 seconds. Another shocker. Kelly, what'd you think of this one? Uh, I thought it was fine. I, again, wasn't expecting Unagi to go on a run uh, early on. But yeah, I thought it was a solid match. I want three stars. Yeah, I mean, largely the sort of what I said about Unagi's first match apply here. I think that sometimes also uh, something that stuck out in this match was she is a, at times feels to me like a spotty seller. Um, And I think this goes back to the first match, but I think in the first match she had that, um, I think it was the leg. She was sort of selling the leg for about a minute. And then all of a sudden that sort of went away was like, oh, I can't make it across the ring, and then got in the corner and started doing kicks. Yeah. Which is not the end of the world, but it's like, hmm. Um, so sort of a an interesting choice. You know, with four points, it's like, wow, she's got four points. She's won two matches. But this tournament is so long, and it's got so many matches, you know, that even winning two matches is sort of like, wow she seems like someone who would go out and lose and end up with just a couple points. But I think at the end of the day, this could be one of those where they book someone to get out hot just to give them some victories because probably down the line to establish them, they're probably going to be losing to people to get those people up in points. We'll see if that's the case. Um, I know Micah started really hot uh, last year and then I think faded as the tournament went on and she was sort of losing to those people who were moving up the standing. So we'll see if that's uh, the case 
here as well. Yeah, it almost feels like with a tournament like this, if you start off hot, you're not winning. Unless you're going to go like almost undefeated, you're not winning. Yeah, because everyone in this tournament at some point or another is going to lose at least probably a couple matches because there's so many matches you have to get through. So that that probably does hold true where you're going to have to lose. So it may be, and that may be not apply. We'll talk about Mike is at the top of the standings, and I think probably she'll end up close to the top um, at the end. But yeah, I think Unagi, we're going to sort of see her start to slide back down the the standings now that they sort of establish her. They're like, look, she is a threat. She's won twice, and now you can beat her uh, with other people. Yeah. The next match, Starlight Kid got her first two points, defeating Saki Kashima, a Oedo tie explodes match in 840 with a new move, the Black Tiger Divine Punishment. <laughs> or the Wrath of the Black Tiger, a uh, pile driver variation. This match, the thing that stood out to me is that, and this may be a controversial opinion, uh, but it's my opinion. And, you know, so much is made of Sayakamatani's athleticism, and she is very athletic, and she's very talented. But to me, I think someone like Starlight Kid her athleticism is almost underrated. You know, Sayakamatani has sort of the big, splashy uh, moves, um, going over the top rope on the dives, doing that running um, moonsault. You know, those are sort of the big things that stick out. But to me, Starlight Kid is so quick. She's so good in ring with the things that look so smooth that almost you're like, wow, that takes a lot of skill, but it doesn't look that way because she's so good. You know, she does these sort of head scissor um, moves and things like that. And I think that she's been under underrated in that category. So this was another match. I thought it was a solid match, you know, down lower on the card. And again, Saki Kashima, who is not at the, you know, top of the company, but I thought it was a solid match and I thought it was a good showcase match for Starlight Kid and good for her to get a victory here because you certainly would hate to see her with the sort of momentum behind her of switching to Oedo Tai, then coming in two nights in a row and losing. Yeah, I think uh, Starlight Kid doesn't get the credit because of how smooth everything is. Like you with uh, with Saya there's a lot of times where it looks like she's not going to hit whatever move she's trying. And so when she does, you're like, Oh, cool. She did it. But with starlight kid, everything looks so crisp every time. It's kind of like the, uh, like Christopher Daniels ran into this problem where people didn't like him because he was so good. It was just like, ah, it doesn't look real. It's like, well, it is. I mean, (laughs) they're just really good at what they do. And I think that comes down to it where people take for granted starlight kid because everything looks so crisp and smooth. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think that's totally true. I mean, she does a lot of things match to match that, you know, I have not seen from her before that she adds to her arsenal that look really good and look unique and are well, um, sort of well done, I guess is the word. So, so yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, hopefully we will see more from her. And, you know, as she moves forward, she seems like someone who is improving, you know, month by month, year by year and getting, getting better. Yeah. But through this match, I was distracted because full disclosure, I, prior to starting to host the show, I had fallen out of stardom. I hadn't been following really. I'd been kind of looking for a new place to get in. So, and starting the jumping onto this podcast happened to be that. So I think it had been quite a while since I've seen Saki Kashima wrestle. But for whatever reason to me, she doesn't look like how I remember her. And it was throwing me off. Like it was, I started to like run a little conspiracy theory in my head where it's like, you, you have you heard about how the original Avril Lavigne died, died and they replaced her? I haven't heard of that. I thought you were going to talk about the Paul McCartney because there's yeah, also very the much Paul the McCartney same. one. Yeah. So now I'm like, did they replace Saki? Is this a new one? Like, what happened? <laughs> so I, but I can't place my finger on it. But something about her is very different to me, and I don't, I don't know why, and it's confusing. She was out for a little while, injured. So maybe there was a. <laughs> swap we're starting yeah. stardom conspiracy theories yeah. on this podcast yeah i'm thinking i think i think it's a different different sake well maybe uh i would say maybe we'll find out but if they swapped if they did a swap of a human being i don't think we would ever find out no no someday we'll find out when the original sake comes out on like an ice ribbon show or something Maybe maybe she will come out accompanied by the original Avril Lavigne. Oh, there we go. <laughs> and Paul McCartney, you know, the yeah. great twosome yep. of Avril Lavigne and Paul McCartney. <laughs> the great musical duo. Um, two great tastes that go great together. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, the next match was Natsupoi, sadly, defeating Momo Watanabe. Momo Watanabe, her... Her uh, fiery start to the tournament coming to a screeching halt with a flash pin in nine minutes and 44 seconds. Kelly, what'd you think of this match? I really liked how just excited and surprised uh, Natsupoi was that she actually won. I thought that was fun. Uh, There was a crazy like arm submission that Natsupoi had on Momo at one point that looked like it had to suck to be in. Like it, it was one of those where it's like, there's no way that doesn't hurt. <laughs> uh, and I really liked how the flash pin, like you could say it was luck, but really Natsupoi had been attacking Momo's back the entire match. And if she hadn't been Momo probably would have been able to kick out of that uh, flash pin. So I, I really, I thought it was a really well-structured match. Uh, I went three and a half on it. See, I'm going to come down on the other side of the flash pin is that sometimes with flash pins, it feels like, and that is a good, you know, you had good reasoning with the stuff with the back, but just sometimes it feels to me like flash pins. I'm like, why couldn't they get out of it? Like sometimes a flash pin is like really tight and you're like, okay, it totally makes sense. You know, it's really tight. They have a really a snug pin, but this, it just felt sort of like loose to me. Like it looked to my mind, like, Oh, this is a very loose pin. And then it was like, Oh, it's over. And I was like, Oh, that's weird. That Momo (laughs) didn't just kick out, but, uh, I guess, uh, you know, two sides of the same coin here. Yeah. It's one of those Um, things where a lot of times flash pins kind of feel like, Oh, you just didn't have a finish for this match. Huh? 
like, oh, you get Momo out without really losing, and you're like, oh, a flash pin. Oh, it could have happened at any time. Yeah. Because then it's like, well, shouldn't every match end with a flash pin if that's the case <laughs> where you can just, you know, be like, whoops. Um, but but I still enjoy I thought it was a good match. It didn't really take away my enjoyment of the match. Just something where it's like, oh, OK, um, interesting, you know, and it was a good change of pace from some of these more sort of definitive. Oh, here you go. I dropped you on your head. Uh, there's the end of the match sort of. Things. Yeah, you you need to have finishes like this in a tournament uh, of this kind. Uh, and speaking of a little change of pace, the next match, Tom Nakino defeated Konami in ten forty five. This match started very differently than a lot of the other matches with the activity outside the ring. Konami using a chair on uh, Tom's arm. Uh, didn't love how. You know, the chair got used on the arm and then Konami, who is this submission grappler, then couldn't figure out a way to use this highly damaged arm to win the match. Um, But I thought it was a I thought it was a solid, solid effort. Yeah, that was weird. The it. I don't know why it just felt like, okay, cool. We have the chair stuff and now it's completely disjointed from the rest of the match like it never yeah it never came into any of it uh, and that's a lot of my problem with Wado Tai stuff where they just feel like cartoon bad guys that are all, always about to slip on a banana peel like okay we're we're doing the wacky thing we're tying up the bad guy oh those damn kids and so <laughs> it's like, I thought it was a good match like there's some really good looking kicks in it uh Tom had to fight back from Again, being destroyed with a chair and to get the win. But yeah, it, it kind of made Konami not look like a threat at all. And that sucks because Konami's great. But yeah, I enjoyed it well enough. I went three and a half on it. Yeah, and people know on this uh, podcast, I have been very critical of Oedo Tai. So I am uh, right there with you. Although that's a great new way to sort of describe it as cartoon bad guys. I think that they've sort of had the knees cut out from under them um, in terms of looking threatening. And I think actually, you know, with Starlight Kid, Konami, I'm like, they should be the leaders of this group and they should really be reestablishing this group. I think, you know, obviously not good that Natsuko Toro is out, but you know, to me, she has not been really the leader that the group needs. The The group needs someone at the top who is, you know, going to win matches, going to look like a threat. And I don't think that was Tora. And maybe that can be Starlight Kid and Konami. Uh, maybe it isn't. Um, but yeah, so Oedo Tai, um, well established in my mind, sort of as a threatening non-threat. Yeah, to me, they just seem to always uh, not not be able to pull it out. They're like uh, Team Rocket in the Pokemon cartoon. It's like, oh, here they come! They're gonna try and steal Pikachu again. Oh, nope, gonna blow him up and send him off into the sky once again. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates. It's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net, arena club.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. I wonder though, is if we're ever gonna see something come out of Starlight Kid beating Saki and then like putting her mask on her when she's like clearly rocked pretty good <laughs> like is this the beginning <laughs> of starlight kid taking over maybe and as i said that would be that would be good for me yeah uh, i i would not be opposed and that's a co- like she has the look of the leader like she should be and then she gets in the ring and it's like okay cool you're doing like a spot with the chain and this is just like Oz Academy cosplay, huh? Yeah, and that is a uh, people have said that before Oz Academy cosplay, but of course, you know, it's very hard to duplicate what Oz Academy does because it's like no one else does. It isn't like, oh, yeah. here's five companies that do this thing and we're just going to do that. It's like this company does it. They're able to do it be sort of because of the people who are in the company, you know, with Ozaki who's got this big following. Um, yeah. Call me when uh when Waitotai gets their own police. <laughs> if only every company had a police, that would be uh ooh, that would be the dream. Uh police go to AEW. Uh, 
<laughs> I think Taz would. I mean, love he would Palace. fit right in an AEW with all that with all the interference they have. Yeah, Taz um, would love Police on Dark. <laughs> Um, but the uh, match third from the top, uh, Utami defeating Saya Kamatani in fourteen nineteen, and I will say straight up right now, this is a match that blurred together in my mind because um, it felt like a lot of other matches, and frankly, I don't remember too much from this match. Um, it was uh, probably hard hitting, and like a lot of the other matches, and this was the big drawback. Um, this was sort of the peak of that was this match sort of watching this match and going, okay, this is like a lot of the other matches I've watched, um, you know, two days back to back, um, sort of this style match in what is now, you know, 15, 14, 15 matches is a lot for one day. And I think this was the match that was probably most affected by that. Yeah, I threw the gentleman's three at it. Um, honestly, the thing about it that sticks out most to me is the opening exchange because it all looked incredibly rehearsed. It really felt like they were going at half speed and this was still almost like a practice run rather than the actual match. Like It, it just felt like they were going through the motions and it, it picked up eventually, but just the first couple of minutes felt really off to me and it, i think that goes to what you were kind of saying about saya earlier and yeah i i don't know this this match didn't do much for me yeah so i think we were uh i think we're uh, about on the same page so not you know not too much to say about that which is a bummer because two very talented wrestlers but anyway uh, the semi-main event, Shuri defeating Micah in sixteen thirty-eight. Kelly, what were your thoughts on this match? This was my favorite match of the two shows. Uh, I loved it. It was as I as I've claimed to say, this is a beef slapper. Just they were hitting each other real hard. I have in my notes big meaty women bumping meat. Uh, it reminded me of like a big Japan strong title match when Sekimoto was at his peak. Like I just loved it. And the, the finish of Siri kicking the shit out of Micah's head and then dropping her with, I don't even know what it was, but it looked insane. And I, I went four and a half. I loved this match. Wow. All right. Well, I liked the match. I went four stars, but there was something where it clearly felt like they were going for this big time uh, main event style match. It didn't, I liked it. I mean, I went four stars, so a lot of it did connect with me. It didn't connect with me on that sort of next level that it would take for me to, you know, say something like four and a half. You know, I still thought it was very good, but there was... Just still that disconnect. I don't know if it was that feeling of like, okay, I've seen it. I don't know if it had to do with what I talked about with Micah before that I don't really have the connection there with her. Um, this feels weird. It feels like I'm describing a match I didn't like, even though I won four <laughs> stars and there was a lot about it I yeah, liked. Taylor, Taylor why do you some... hate this match? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. Um, but I know it was a match that I, you know, I think from reading around that a lot of people really liked. 
And so I didn't, I was just missing that next level connection for me. Yeah. It's, it was just my kind of perfect two people go out there and beat the shit out of each other match. Uh, and speaking of going out and beating the shit out of each other, the main <laughs> event, uh, Mayu Iwatani defeating Julia in 18 minutes and 30 seconds. This was a match I really enjoyed. This was probably, uh, you know, my second favorite behind the uh, Mayu Momo match from night one. Probably my second favorite match. Uh, really hard hitting, no holds, um, really not holding anything back. I mean, the uh, headbutts near the end uh, really got me fired up. So this was a match uh, I really enjoyed, and I thought it was a good capper to the two nights that, to me, sort of broke through that feeling, a lot of that feeling of sameness for me, which I thought really spoke to how good it was that by the end I was like, oh, yeah, this was really good, even though I had just watched really two other matches that were you know, similar in a lot of ways. So I thought this one was very good, obviously, as you would probably expect when you go into a match with uh, Mayu and Julia. Yeah, this match was definitely helped by the charisma of the two, and they have great chemistry. There was a bit when, I think it was like the first headbutt Julia threw, and Mayu just looks in the camera and starts laughing. And like, I just picture her thinking like, haha, I eat concussions for breakfast. <laughs> And then going in and just destroying Julia with a headbutt of her own. Like they they tried their best to murder each other and tried to top that the previous match and I loved it. Like I I went uh four four and a quarter on this one. It was my second favorite match of the two shows, and it was it was reckless, but in the best way. Like this is the kind of reckless you want. They weren't going out there to hurt each other, but if they themselves got hurt in the process, they kind of didn't care. (laughs) Yeah. Very strong. You know, I'm a, I'm, you know, not a proponent of, but I never, you know, I know that there are some people who like, don't like those types of headbutts and are like, that's a, you know, that's a no for me doing (laughs) that. I always like that. You know, my assumption with the, with this is that, you know, if there's two people in a match that they've agreed to, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're okay with this. So if they're okay with it, you know, I'm not going to police it. And I think it's sort of exciting to see stuff like that. So as I said, it definitely got me uh, fired up and a, and a great cap to the night and a great cap to this sort of opening of um, the five-star Grand Prix two two to me. Uh, very solid nights of wrestling with some with some pretty good, uh, you know, pretty high highs included with a number of these matches. Yeah, I, and those the last two matches of the of those shows were just the perfect cap to it. I really liked both those matches, and the it was a great weekend of show of uh, matches. Yes, but that was not the only five-star Grand Prix shows in the last two weeks. There were three other ones, three consecutive days. Uh, The first one was on August 7th at Idiano Saka Arena, number two, in front of 279 fans. Uh, Tom Nakano defeated Ruaka. Saki Kashima defeated Julia. Uh, Utami defeated Unagi Sayaka and... Azumi defeated Shiri. Azumi and Shiri is the only match that is currently up 
to watch on Stardom World. I watched the match. I thought it was a very good, solid outing. Kelly, I think you also watched yeah um this as well yeah at first like it kind of felt slow and i was like oh okay this is, so they're just going to like a house show and man event okay but like once it started going it was awesome and i was really surprised that azumi picked up the win yeah and also definitely a different feel just uh presentation wise moving from the uh pay-per-view presentation which is what was on stardom world they uploaded the pay-per-view to this more a sort of traditional stardom world upload style without, you know, the commentary or the, you know, the big time sort of pay-per-view graphics. Uh, then the following night, they were back another night in Idiana Osaka arena two in front of 405 people. So a big leap, uh, Micah defeating Ruaka, Mina Shirakawa defeating Saki Kashima, Natsupoi and Starlight Kid going to a double countout, so that the only um, non-result. Natsupoi and Starlight Kid each getting one point for the double countout, and Saya Kamatani defeating Tom Nakino in the main event. And Kelly, I think you watched this main event as well. Yeah, I saw the the main was good. Uh, honestly, here's the thing that stuck out to me the most. Uh, Saya hits Tom with a Northern Lights suplex on the floor, and then Saya comes up selling her forehead, which is something I always think about when I see a Northern Lights suplex, but no one ever does. So I, I truly appreciate Saya selling her forehead on that, because it's like, yeah, you're pretty much DDTing yourself to make that move work. <laughs> and no one ever sells it. Well, your dream, <laughs> your dream sell. Yeah, I uh, was very excited about that because <laughs> I remember this is like back when, um, what was that? The Stadium Stampede, the original one when Matt Jackson was Northern Lights suplexing whoever it was across the field. I was like, no, 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 his he shouldn't be doing that. His head should be hurting by the end of it. He's DDTing himself over and over. But here we go. Thank <laughs> you, Saya. Thank you. Uh, that is one I have not watched yet, but I will watch it and then we'll watch the other ones as they uh, get uploaded. I think that's happening. Uh, well, this podcast will be coming out Tuesday and I think the Stardom English account said that a lot of these matches will be uploaded uh, starting on Tuesday. Um, and then they had a show on August 9th uh, in Matsumoto City. Uh, only two matches, only two uh, five-star matches, I should say. Konami defeating Unagi Sayaka and Micah pinning Azumi. Haven't seen either of those yet. They have not been uploaded. Uh, but Unagi Sayaka, as we talked about, sort of quickly falling down the rankings here with another loss. But the current standings are as follows. Uh, some of these people listed, like uh, Takumi Aroha, have not even had a match yet. So still a lot to play for. A lot of shows, as we'll talk about in the upcoming shows. Um, in the Blue Star standing, Takumi Aroha and Ruaka with zero points. Saya Kamatani, Azumi, and Konami with two points. Utami, Tom Nakano, Unagi Sayaka, and Suri with four points. And Micah at the top of the standings 
with six points. She is, I believe, a perfect three for three in her matches. So a big start for her. In the red stars block a little bit closer here. Himika and Fukigen Death with zero points. Mayu Iwatani, Saki Kashima, Julia, Koguma, and Momo Watanabe all with two points. Natsupoi and Starlight Kid tied at three points, getting that one point from their double countout. And Mina Shirakawa at the top of the standings with four points. So really, as I said very early on, but anything... Uh, Kelly, stick out to you here with these with these standings. More than anything, it's that just how kind of wild the schedule of this is, where it's we still have two people, one person on each block that hasn't had any matches yet. Like that's just kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, and going through, and we'll talk about this in the upcoming shows. But really, looking at the schedule, it is a wild. Uh, schedule of shows. There's a lot of shows. I actually don't even think, I don't even think Takumi Aroha wrestles her first uh, match in the tournament until August 29th. Yeah, that's insane. Um, <laughs> so still like three, almost three weeks away from one participant in this tournament even being involved. So there is still a lot of a lot of shows, a lot of matches, so still very early on. So if your favorite is down at the bottom or near the bottom, there's still time. Yeah, they could uh, uh, they could rise up. It, I was thinking about it because you know normally I was thinking about in like the G1 context where they do the A block and the B block shows, where it's like this. This was both blocks in each night, so it's like oh okay, so the schedule is just totally mixed up. And then, yeah, just having shows with two matches and some have eight and, like, wild. Yes. Uh, But that will be um, a big thing to watch in the upcoming weeks. But that is all the coverage on the last two weeks of Stardom's Five Star Grand Prix. And so now diving into what else has been happening. And as I mentioned at the top of the show... um, It's sort of a light week because a lot of what was going to happen uh, was affected by this COVID stuff. Seedling was going to have uh, a show that we talked about last time that was canceled. Um, um, And Diana had a show that was affected. I believe Marvelous was affected. The, The other big show of the last two weeks was the Tokyo Joshi Tokyo Princess Cup quarterfinal show that happened on July 31st. Those four quarterfinal matches, Maki Ito defeating Suzume, Miyu Watanabe defeating Yuki Aeno, Shoko Nakajima defeating Rika Tatsumi, and Mizuki defeating Miyu Yamashita. So the four finalists set for that upcoming August 14th Tokyo Joshi a Korokin show was a very enjoyable show, as always, um, as most Tokyo Joshi shows are nowadays. Um, an easy watch. It's up on Wrestle Universe, so if you haven't watched it, uh, go uh, give it a look. Yeah, definitely watch the Mizuki and uh, Mio Yamashita match. That was awesome. Yeah, a very strong match. Clearly um, was put in the main event spot for a reason. 
uh, probably two of the top um, workers in the company at the top. So a very good match, but really, you know, that obviously is the highlight, but I think the whole, the whole thing was worth checking out. Um, yeah. I didn't care much for the Maki Ito versus Suzume match, but once I found out that Maki Ito uh, busted her face at some point in it, it was like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There was a reason that she, I think she fractured, was it, she fractured her cheekbone? Something like that. Yeah. Um, or something like that. But she supposedly is not missing any time. She will be back for the uh, Korokin show. So that's good to hear. Um, always good to hear that she won't be missing any time, especially that she's in the uh, semifinals of, of this tournament. Um, Ice Ribbon, also their big, uh, two big sort of events. Uh, Hamika Hoshi defeated Sakushi for the IWJQ title on August 1st, ending Sakushi's pretty lengthy reign with that title. And Ice Ribbon had their big Yokohama show um, August 9th. That show has not made tape. It's going to air on Samurai on August 21st. Uh, I don't know any of the results. I'm trying to stay uh, spoiler free. But knowing Ice Ribbon, knowing it's their biggest show of the year, uh, when it drops on Samurai on August 21st, big recommendation to check it out yeah i got the i got only... spoiled i <laughs> i wasn't even thinking this morning i was scrolling through my instagram feed and came up to the tokyo sports and there was a picture of a bunch of ice ribbon women in the ring all with their title belts and i was like oh that's nice and i look and i'm like oh god damn it that show was today wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> yes i have become very uh, vigilant about that stuff, but sometimes I do forget. You you just think uh, mindlessly. You're like, oh, I'm sitting around for five minutes. Oh, I'll look at Twitter, and then you open it up, and of course, the first thing uh-huh. that Twitter Twitter's like, this is the most important thing for you to see. The thing you don't want to see, <laughs> buddy. Which it's is that this... company you really like. Here's some news. Yeah. Hey, big things are happening. Here's what's happened. Oh God. Uh, and then it's over. Um, you know, you can never. You can never put the genie back in the bottle, I think is no. the uh, I think is the phrase. Can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Yes, that's a better one uh, than the genie. I might have made that phrase up, but No, no, I've heard uh, that. I've heard that one before. Okay. Um, but I will be watching it, you know, it's so funny because I'm like I haven't been spoiled. The show happened I think about 12 hours ago <laughs> or something. And I'm like, I know in the next 12 days, I'm going to be scrolling through Twitter and someone's going to say something. Yeah. So, you know, some of this you sort of have to take with a grain of salt because it's like, well, you'll probably get spoiled. But I'm sure, as I said, I'm sure the matches are very good on that show. Ice Ribbon always delivers on their big shows and especially this, the biggest show um, of their year. So I'm sure it will be great and one worth uh, checking out. And then the uh, last bit of news on August 1st, Nagisa Nozaki defeated Kiori Yoniyama to become the number one contender for the Regina DeWave title, which we will um, be talking about that match in the upcoming matches. And then I will kick it over to Kelly to talk about the happenings in Choco Pro. All right. So we had the past two days of Choco Pro, the show from the 8th, uh, Choco Pro 144. 
I haven't had the opportunity to watch the whole show, but I made sure to watch the main event, which was Emi Sakura and uh, Masa Takanashi versus Best Bros in Sakura's uh, goodbye match. Uh, it went to a 30-minute time limit draw, and it was really good tag match, very intense. I went four and a quarter, but Emmy couldn't leave it as that, so she announced impromptu match the next day on a Choco Pro special show, uh, Emmy Sakura versus Mesa Ruga in a one-on-one match. Uh, that was incredible. I watched it this morning. Uh, Emmy won, and I was kind of surprised at that. I figured uh, May would get the big going away match, but my thinking is that maybe uh, Sakura wants to give uh, May the big win in AEW, much like she did with Riho a year or so ago, or two years ago at this point. Uh, the match was a lot of fun. You could definitely tell that uh, Sakura wanted to take advantage of the unique venue that is Ichigaya Chocolate Square. And so they did a bunch of fun spots with the windows and just, you know, things she's never going to be able to do in AEW. Uh, and once the match got serious, it was just as good as any of the other, like, top-level Choco Pro stuff. Uh, super emotional, super intense. Uh, Emmy busting out kind of the signature moves of a lot of her students. And just, it it was a long match, but I think Choco Pro makes long matches work better than almost any other company right now. Uh, I loved it. Sakura just barely pulled out the win. Uh, I went four and three quarters on it. It was super fun, super great. If you watch, if you like Choco Pro, even if you're behind, uh, Taylor, I know you are, I would jump ahead and check this one out. Yes, I have been delinquent in my uh, Choco Pro watching, just not because of anything to do with the company, but just because of timing wise. But I am definitely going to dig in because there's a bunch of things that have been highly recommended. Um, and I know that these are things that I'm really going to enjoy. So I will definitely uh, be catching up. But, you know, oh, you reminded me. One more oh. Choco Pro thing. Uh it was announced that Lulu Pencil is leaving uh, along with Emi Sakura to go be her assistant in uh, America. So that's right. It, it makes sense. I mean, Lulu kind of wrapped up her story with Chris Brooks and finally got the win where it's like, okay, where are you going to go from here? So it makes a lot of sense, but it's still kind of sad to see her go. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with Choco Pro now that they will be uh, heading out. And it will be also be interesting to see what happens with Lulu um, in America. Um, she has appeared on AEW programming. Yeah. Because um, she was the ringside attendant for the uh, AEW Women's Tournament stuff. And she was, I think, once mentioned. I don't remember what the context was, but she Excalibur once did mention her by name. Yeah, that's right. On commentary at some point. Like I, 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 I would kind of enjoy was, but... a show if Lulu and like Nakazawa make like some sort of assistance YouTube show. I think that would be fun. Lulu pencil goes elite. Yeah. <laughs> She'll come out with the, with the same wacky gear that the, that the bucks wear uh, to the <laughs> ring. <laughs> Um, but it's interesting that you mentioned that point about uh, Sakura winning because I remember, uh, what was that, 
two years ago going to see a Gato Move show, and it was a Gato Move show. It had been announced that Riho was leaving, and the main event of the show was Riho and Mei Saruga for the title. And I remember thinking, oh, Riho's leaving, so certainly this must be like May winning the title because Riho's leaving like in two weeks or something. Cause I think she had that match. She had the match with Emi Sakura. Um, that was really good. And then she left and Riho won, uh, which really caught me by surprise. But I think that's just sort of the style, you know, Emi style, which is that just because someone's leaving doesn't mean that they necessarily are going to, you know, lose on their way out. Cause they may be back. Yeah, it kind of feels um, like, yeah, just give him one big win on the way out. Like, kind of just a nice thing. Yeah, and we'll see. And obviously, Emmy, I mean, I would imagine will be back in some capacity at some point. I can't imagine her moving to the United States and never coming back. So it, it's less like with Riho where the, you know, I think with Riho, they were like, will she come back at any point? We don't know. I really kind of wonder if... Emmy's gonna run like Choco Pro shows just in some building in Florida with a bunch of like the like lower tier women from AEW. I wonder if there's a like a workout room in Daly's place yeah. where they could uh, <laughs> you know close the door and have a, bu- <laughs> a bunch of matches. But yeah, for I mean for AEW, this is big because I think that they need someone. You know their division has improved. But I still think it's it lags behind a lot of other uh, women's divisions. So having Emmy there can only, you know, make things better. Because as I said on the show, I think she's an excellent trainer. Yeah, and um, I hope in- they give her the book in terms of the women's division because clearly Chaco Pro is booked incredibly well, and that's really lacking in the AEW women's division. Yeah, we'll see. And now, you know, they're going to have more time because they've got ramp, you know, rampage starting uh, this Friday. So they've certainly got the availability for someone to come in and, and do something. Um, but that is the uh, all the news on Choco Pro, all the news of the last two weeks. And in the upcoming shows, we got quite a number of big upcoming shows highlighted by a number of five-star Grand Prix shows. The next show in that tournament is on the 13th at Corican Hall, uh, another pretty big show with six uh, five-star Grand Prix matches and also a title match. The five-star Grand Prix match is Julia versus Koguma, Natsupoi versus Mayu Iwatani, Momo Watanabe versus Saki Kashima, Starlight Kid versus Fukigen Death, Tom Nakano versus Micah, Saya and Saya Kamatani versus Konami, and also a future of stardom title match, Unagi Sayaka going up against Mai Sakurai, who just came over, debuted on the last Korokin show for stardom from Actress Girls. So that will be interesting to see another outsider coming in. We'll be interested to see her wrestle. In addition to these, uh, the number of five-star Grand Prix matches on the show, Kelly, do any of these five-star Grand Prix matches stick out to you as ones that you're looking forward to? Uh, Tom versus Micah is the one that sticks out because I I do think Micah's been in a hot streak in terms of good matches. So 
I'm hoping this Tom one will be pretty good. But other than that, I don't want to say it's a weak card, but just not a ton that I'm like excited about. Yeah, it certainly looks like, and this sort of makes sense, that they saved some of the big, big matches for those Yokohama Budokan shows. I actually was going to uh, say the exact same match, Tom Nakano and Micah. Looks like the uh, most fun match to me. I also think Mayu and Natsupoi could be uh, a fun match as well. Um, They have a show the very next day on the 14th. Only one, uh, strangely, only one five-star Grand Prix What what are they doing? (laughs) It's, uh, I don't know. I think it's just scheduling, uh, you know. I don't know. Unless I've read something wrong. Um, but I don't think I have. They have one match, Mina Shirakawa and Starlight Kid. But also on that show, there will be a tag team title match. Uh, the champions, Julia and Chiri, against the Oedo Tai team of Konami and Ruaka. Uh, the 16th, three uh, five-star Grand Prix matches. Mina Shirakawa and Mayu Iwatani. Azumi against Saya Kamatani. And Shuri versus Unagi Sayaka uh, on the 21st of August. A little break between those two shows. Julia and Mina Shirakawa, Natsupoi and Saki Kashima, and Azumi and Konami facing off. And then the 22nd, two matches, Mina Shirakawa against Himika. We finally get a Himika match. Uh, here all the way on the 22nd and Utami versus Konami, which I think could be a very fun match. Yeah, that should, that should be good. That's definitely the one to watch out of those last three shows. Yeah, but a lot, uh, if you like five-star Grand Prix action, you will not be wanting for it in the next two weeks and actually probably for the next month or so. Uh, as we go into September as well, there's a number of shows, as we talked about, Takumi Aroha hasn't even shown up yet. So <laughs> that will, uh, that is something I'm looking forward to. And they're, you know, making us wait for it. So, but lots happening. Uh, there's also a big seedling show on August 19th, headlined by Asuka and Makoto against Riko Kawahata and Honori Hana. That is a uh, Beyond the Sea tag team title match. And then the main event, Ryo Mizunami against Arisa Nakajima for the Beyond the Sea title. Those two matches, uh, the only matches announced so far, but those two big, exciting matches. uh, Really looking forward to that show because it should be another good one from Seedling. Yeah, uh, both those matches should be awesome. Yes, and uh, this is a Korokin show, and I feel like Seedling always uh, very consistently delivers there, so looking forward to that. I do have a correction, a rare correction to offer from last week's episode. We did talk about Maya Yukihi winning the Oz title. Uh, She did win the title, and then uh, vacated it, uh, for this next match, Oz has a show on August 18th. We'll be celebrating Mayumi Ozaki's 35th anniversary. And the main event will involve Mayumi Ozaki, Yumi Oka, Maya Yukihi, and Sayori Ano, the four members of Ozaki-gun. And the way it will work, you'll notice I just named uh, the wrestlers <laughs> out. The match will start with a uh, 
two-on-two tag match, and the combination of the teams will be decided later. Um, They will wrestle a match. Someone will be eliminated, and the match will continue as a handicap match, two-to-one. And whoever are the two final wrestlers in the match, it will then become a singles match to determine the 27th Oz Academy certified indiscriminate champion. So a fun match, a sort of, a sort of style match with rules that only Oz Academy uh, would think of. Yeah, this is but the this... nonsense I want out of them. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this will almost any combination of these four will probably deliver uh, a great match. There will probably be a lot of shenanigans in and around the ring, uh, but that is not the only big match on the show. There is also a, a three-way tag title match, Sonoko Kato and Kakaru Sekaguchi uh, against Subasa Kuragaki and Itsuki Aoki against Kari Yoniyama and Yu for those Oz tag titles. Also on the card, Aja Kong and Rina Yamashita against Akino and Hiroyo Matsumoto. A men's match, Yuko, Miyam- Yuko Miyamoto against Mitsuhisa Tsunabe. And also in the opening, we will see the four wrestlers in the main event will open the show teaming together, of course, as Osaki Goon. Uh, Mayumi Ozaki, Yumi Oka, Mai Yukihi, and Sayori Ono against Ram Kaichao, Nagisa Nozaki, Momoka Hanazono, and Natsumi. Natsumi is the new 0-1 girls rookie. So overall, a very uh, strong card and one I am really looking forward to. A big Oz show. And for me, someone who likes the Oz Academy style, these shows usually deliver big. Yeah, I'm very excited for whatever the hell that main event is going to turn out to be. (laughs) I'm sure you will see, uh, Kelly, for you, I'm sure there will be a lot of police uh, involvement. (laughs) The the good police will be there. (laughs) Uh, And then, as we mentioned before, uh, Tokyo Joshi has two upcoming Korokin shows on the 14th and 15th involving the semifinals and finals of the Tokyo Princess Cup. We have, I believe, what is either all or most of the card for the 14th Korokin. It will open with Mei Suruga and Moko Miyamoto against Suzume and Ariso Endu. A good start to this uh, card, a very strong match, and one I'm really looking forward to. And Kelly, I'm sure you are as well. Super cool to see May booked by uh, Tokyo Joshi. Like, that's awesome. Yes, a, a very uh, a rare appearance by May Saruga in uh, Tokyo, <laughs> Tokyo Joshi. Um, the next match will be Mahiro Kiryu and Yuki Aeno against now Kakuda and Kaya Torabami. I will say, uh, before we talk about this match, Yuki Arai originally was planned to start a trial series on this show, uh, someone in SKE um, has COVID and she was deemed a close contact. So she will not be on this show or the show on the 15th. So the sort of beginning of this card was reshuffled around a bit. This is part of that. And also the next match, which we'll talk about. 
but uh, another solid match, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of uh, Kaya Torabami. Yeah. And then the big shuffle was Aja Kong was scheduled to appear on the August 15th Korokin show. She is now appearing on both Korokin shows, appearing here in a six-woman tag match. Haruna Neko, Raku, and Aja Kong against Hyper Masao, Nadoka Tenma, and Yuki Kamafuku. Maybe this will give us a little bit more advancement towards a Aja Kong Raku match. I love Aja Kong in Tokyo Joshi because <laughs> she does not fit at all. I love it. Um, then there is a special uh, tag here. There is the Neo Bishikigun team of Saki Sama, Mei San Michel, and Yukio Saint Laurent against Rika Tatsumi, Palm Harajuku, and Antonio Honda, a I believe I'm trying to think a rare Antonio Honda appearance in Tokyo Joshi. I can't remember the last show he was on. Yeah, I can't remember anything either. It's been a while since we've seen uh, Yukio St. Laurent show up. It has, but this this is a match I'm looking forward to. And really this whole uh, top of the card, as we'll go over, a very strong top of the card. Um, Even though there are no uh, title matches on this show still to me looks like a very strong card. Yeah. I, I mean the, the semifinals kind of stand in as like title matches almost. Yeah, that's, that's very true. But the, the, uh, the last match before the Tokyo princess semifinal matches, the Yuka Sakazaki AEW triumphant return match, uh, Miyu Yamashita and Marika Kobashi against Yuka Sakazaki and Hikari Noah. I mean, to me, this match could be very excellent uh, for strong workers and really could deliver uh, a very strong effort. Sort of, I feel a little bit shame on AEW. Didn't really use Yuka very well in her jaunt over to AEW, but now she's back in Tokyo Joshi and will be used very well. They never even did the Brit match that they should have done. Yeah, it was weird because she showed up. She was on Dark the first week or something, and I was like, okay, they're just getting her adjusted. And then she sort of was on Dark a couple other times, and then it was like, well, that's over. It was very, very weird. Yeah. Like, I wonder if she was like, hey, I want the vaccine. I'm going to America. And, like, right before DDT and Tokyo Joshi were able to get everyone the vaccine, and then, like, well, we've got the tickets booked. I guess you're going. <laughs> Yeah, who knows? But it's good that she is good that she is back. I'm glad to see her back in uh, Tokyo Joshi. Yeah. And then the two semifinal matches, I'll put these two together. Shoko Nakajima going up against Miyu Watanabe and Mizuki and Maki Ito facing off against each other. And I feel like I figured I cracked this code. We talked about who we thought was winning. Um, in the last episode, I think it's Maki Ito because I think then Maki Ito wins and also Mizuki has now beaten me, Mashita, and so has a credible, yeah. you know, I'm going to challenge you because I beat you in the tournament, even though Maki then beat me and probably won the whole thing. Yeah, no, that makes sense because then you've got two title challengers built in and ready to go. And, you know, Mizuki has won the Tokyo Princess Cup before, so it's not like she needs to win it to be like, hey, you finally won it. She's won it in the past. So to me, it feels like, you know, 
Maki Ito winning, winning the whole thing, challenging, probably not winning. And then, you know, in my mind, you're building to the big November match of Mizuki winning the title finally, sort of the year mm-hmm. chase after the five-star match last year, you know, building back up and winning winning the title. Yeah, because yeah, it's got to be out of those two because I don't see Nakajima or Watanabe winning either. Yeah, I don't think Watanabe's there yet, and no. Shoko Nakajima just doesn't feel like there's any sort of story. No. You know, obviously the Maki Ito one is she's been teaming with Miyu all this time. That's the sort of obvious story. So the two of them have a story, and the two other ones don't really have a story. No. Yeah, there go, there went my dream of the, well, not even my dream, my prediction of Yamashita winning as champion. Yeah, got got uh, pretty close, considering I feel like in these tournaments, uh, Miu is usually out quicker than expected, um, but, made, but made it pretty far. Um, and then the 15th, the very next day, they have another Korokin that originally scheduled was Rika Tatsumi and Yuki Arai, which, as I mentioned, is not happening anymore. Uh, the only other things we know is Aja Kong will be appearing and we will have the finals of the Tokyo Princess Cup on that match. I would assume that a lot of the matches most likely on that Korokin will be coming out of the events of the previous night, um, but not too much there. Uh, just a few other things happening in... Uh, the World of Wrestling on the 15th, August 15th, Ice Ribbon presents their yearly tax pro wrestling show where Hell you can yeah. watch pro wrestling and learn how to do your taxes. Last year, they put it on YouTube for free. It was a really fun show. I hope they do that again. It's worth checking out. Um, yeah, that show rocked you, last year. <laughs> yeah. Even if you don't watch Ice Ribbon, it's a really fun show. It's very easy, uh, sort of low stakes and if you speak Japanese, I guess you can learn how to do your taxes in Japan. The main event (laughs) was like a tag match, but after you got a, I think it was a two count pinfall. You were then asked trivia questions about filing your taxes. (laughs) And yes, you had to get them right or else then the match continued. (laughs) And the match lasted a very (laughs) surprisingly long time. Yeah. Oh, and also since we are on the voices of wrestling uh, podcast network, I feel like I am, Required to say in the words of Joe Lanza, taxation is theft. Well, there you go. You got to take it up with Ice Ribbon. Yep. Yeah, Maybe so, if they do it on YouTube. Yeah, I got uh, you. I got you, Joe. I know you heard it somewhere. You were, <laughs> you were itching. Uh, also coming up, Actress Girls has a Corkin Hall show uh, with two title matches. Uh, Tei Hanma and Maika Ozaki will take on Kakaru Sekiguchi and Miko Aono for the tag team titles. And Saki, the champion, will face Hikari Shimizu for the Actress Girls title. Uh, Noah Igarashi will also retire on that show. She has a retirement tag match uh, with her and Kaori Yoniyama against Momotani and Momo Kogo. And also, interestingly enough, on that show, the opening... Um, don't know if I want to say it's a match. The opening presentation will be from Act Ring Girls, which is the theatrical arm of Actress Girls, and will feature a performance, not wrestling, they don't say it's wrestling, a performance by a former stardom wrestler, Arisa Hoshiki. 
So that should be um, a fun show. And then Wave, as I mentioned, Nagisa Nozaki, the number one contender for the Wave, Regina DeWave title. She will get that opportunity against Sakura Hirota on August 22nd. And then Kelly, do you know, have they announced anything upcoming uh, in this sort of transitional period coming up for Choco Pro, do you know? Not that I've seen. I believe the next season starts up this coming weekend, I think, but I haven't seen anything announced yet. Well, there you go. We'll have to wait and see what becomes of the future of Choco Pro now that Emmy and Lulu are leaving. But that covers everything uh, from the last two weeks, the upcoming two weeks, uh, all across the world of Joshi, fingers crossed that everyone gets through this COVID strangeness in, um, you know, all good. And we can look forward to some exciting coverage. We'll be talking about the Tokyo Joshi Korokins on the next show and probably uh, a good portion of this five-star Grand Prix action. So we'll have a lot to cover on the next show, Kelly, is there anything you want to say that we haven't talked about? Um, Nothing comes to mind. I think we covered pretty much everything I wanted to get to. Except, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna send you a picture because I was looking real fast at the, uh, the Choco Pro Twitter. And there is one of their, like, sample, those photos they do. And it is just bizarre. I want you to describe it to the people. I'm DMing you in slack right now and it's it's real real strange i don't know why someone would be like this this is the picture i'm gonna have autographed oh it is the okay i know what this is uh this is a so it is a picture describe it for the (laughs) for the listeners of uh tokiko kirihara making the uh komanichi pose um, which is a famous comedy pose in Japan. Oh, okay. Um, based on, I believe, Nadia Komanichi, who was a gymnast. Um, but it is a, I don't know exactly what the origins are, but it is a something to do with comedians do it. Cause I've seen it outside of wrestling. It's sort of a general like, haha, isn't this funny? And you go, Komanichi. And oh, you do your. Okay hands like uh blades i guess (laughs) sort of a bad description of what's happening but uh, i'm like sitting on i'm like sitting here like doing it as if someone (laughs) can see what i'm doing like you know you have your hands like this yeah um sort of like blades near your uh groin area i guess is the best way it's kind of like doing a crotch chop almost yeah, almost. I could see that, but I I could see to someone who doesn't know the sort of background of uh, the <laughs> this comedic yeah. Japanese item that it would be, that it would look very confusing. Because also the look on her face doesn't seem like she was entirely prepared to have her picture taken. <laughs> we will we'll have to also tweet this. Yeah, we'll tweet this from our Twitter account, <laughs> J Bomb Audio. On Twitter. That was a great segue by me. Yeah, that was tremendous. Uh, Jay, we will we will tweet it so everyone knows what we're talking about. Everyone yeah. can see what we're it, talking about. This, this just re- really reinforces. I do not understand Japanese stand-up comedy 
at all. I mean, not like in the, I don't understand the language. It's that like when, you know, seeing it subtitled and stuff, I just, I don't get it. Cause half the time it's usually like two people doing stand up and kind of just having a weird conversation. Like, I, I don't know. It, it never plays out plays for me. <laughs> yeah. I have not. Uh, I will admit that I have not dug too deeply into the world of uh, Japanese stand up comedy. I will admit here that I have, I don't really dig that deeply into American stand up comedy. Uh, which is often a controversial opinion when I tell people that I'm not a huge stand-up uh, comedy guy. Uh, I used to be like way into stand-up, but like I don't know. That was when I was in college and was just listening to podcasts constantly, and a lot of them were comedy podcasts. But now I listen to like three different podcasts, and that's about it. And so I've just kind of left that scene. So every now and then I'll check out something, but it's not like before I was like, all right, here's the hot up and comers. I knew who everyone was. And now it's just like, haha, Brian Regan, funny. Well, if you're a fan of Japanese stand up comedy, explain tweet at us at yeah, J Bomb Audio. Or you could tweet at us personally at Tay Mambo or at Comic Geek Kelly on Twitter. Yeah. And if you've enjoyed what we've talked about the shows and also Japanese stand-up comedy, subscribe to us on your podcast system of choice. Podcast system's not the right word, but that's okay. Yeah, your uh, uh, your podcast uh, station uh, app four. of choice. Yeah. Um, if that happens to be Apple Podcasts, please give us a five star rating and review. We would really appreciate it. And if you're feeling very kind, you can donate at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio. And that covers us for this week. And we will see you in two weeks for another episode. Farewell. Goodbye.